Good morning, everyone. Please take a seat. Hands up if uh, you're planning on watching Avengers Endgame for the first time. Is it the second time? Third? You haven't seen it yet? Okay, I'm going to do one spoiler. I'm going to ask Nick to close his ears. It's a small spoiler. The blanket has been removed, but I'm so grateful. I'll go like this, and then I'll do the spoiler. I do not want you to listen to my message. Thank you. Just uh, Thor. <laughs> Thor is my favorite superhero. Of all the original, thank you. Anyone else? Yes. He is so powerful compared to all the others. He's the god of thunder. And if anyone at the end of Infinity Wars was going to defeat Thanos, it was going to be Thor. And so the great disappointment... Have you seen Infinity Wars? Are you... Good. Uh, The great disappointment was that he did not defeat Thanos. And Thanos is this god or being that is all-powerful, and yet he has zero mercy. He's willing to lay others' lives down for his own benefit. And Thor, being the god of thunder, being all-powerful, I'm going to compare him to God today in this message. Here's the spoiler, Nick. For the first time in my life, the great thing about Endgame was, I can say with all integrity, now I have a body like Thor. There you go. And not be lying. Oh. Uh, Looking at Psalm 29 today, I could have done a sideways pose, but my wife would have murdered me. Uh, Looking at Psalm 29 today, and it is God, Yahweh, the King of Kings, up against Baal. Baal is the god of thunder. He was worshipped in Syria and Palestine. He was a cruel god. He was all-powerful, and yet he desired children to be sacrificed to him. He was one of the gods that around Israel that was going to pollute uh, God's people's religion, kind of nodding to Baal at the same time holding your god. God is the only god. We cannot have another God kind of as an assurance policy and yet worship God. And so today, in line with the worship, we're going to be looking at the greatness of God. I'm going to pray, and then I'll start teaching in Psalm 29. Father God, you are worthy of all our praise. Lord, you give us everything we need. Will you be with us now as we listen to some of your word in the psalm? Father, whatever we take away from today, may it be that you are great and worthy of all our praise. In your son's name I pray. Amen. I'm going to teach three different sections of Psalm 29. Uh, the first section uh, is give glory to God. That's verses 1 and 2. Second section is the voice of the Lord or as revealed in a thunderstorm. That's verses 3 to 9. And then finally, the king of the universe, verses 10 to 11. I'm going to read the text and as I then explain afterwards. I'm going to do three bits of reading and explaining. If you're anything like me, when someone reads the text, it kind of washes over you, and they start explaining, and you have no idea where they are. So here we go. Psalm 29. This is give glory to God. So verse 1. Ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. 
Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Beginning of this, it says, ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings. If there's anyone that knows about the character of God, it's those in heaven. It's the heavenly beings. And so by the psalmist, the people of Israel saying, ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings. He's saying, give it the heavenly stamp of approval. You know what reality is. And so affirm it for us says, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. So true things that are eternally true about God. And there's somewhat of an understatement, is God is glorious and he is strong. And it continues in this psalm of worship by David. It says, ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. So God is as a God, is worthy of all glory. His name is Yahweh. Yahweh is repeated 18 times just in these 11 verses. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Uh, they, in the Bible, they thought it was such an other, otherworldly name. They didn't say it out loud in public reading. And so it's replaced with the Lord. But his name, as he revealed to Moses, is I am. That can only come through divine revelation. Socrates thought about all the things of God, and he got to God is. But Yahweh is the great I am. The I, the eternal subject of everything. And the am, the one who has forever been, forever constant. And so as the great I am, he deserves all of the glory. And understanding who God is, understanding he's glorious and strong, the most natural response that we have is worship. If we do anything honest this week, it's worshiping God. That is the most true response that we can have to life. And it's worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Holiness means otherness. Like so different to us. He's so utterly different. And not only is he so utterly different, so utterly powerful. As we go through the psalm as well, we can understand how utterly tender he is too. So God is so different. He is worthy of our worship. And that's what we've been doing today. That's what we're going to continue to do. God lives in the heavenly realms. I did a very quick bit of research on the sun. So uh, in counseling, there's an expression which is reality wins. That means whatever's kind of the motivation for stuff or whatever kind of shortcoming each one of us may have, in the fullness of time, that's going to come out. Like reality wins. We can be in denial for a certain period of time, but at some point, reality wins. This psalm was written about 4,000 years ago. The advances that we now have in science and everything else. Like, they thought uh, thunderstorms meant a very powerful God. We now know things about the sun which are utterly mind-blowing. And who created it? God did. The sun, this is a factual thing. It's a normal main sequence G2 star. 
one of 100 billion in our galaxy. 99.8% of the total mass of, in our solar system is contained in the sun. So Baal worshippers were worshipping this god of thunder. They have any idea who Yahweh is? The god who made the sun. Think of that compared to the earth. And not only that, science is telling us like reality wins. You have no idea how powerful and glorious God is. And the sun is powered by nuclear fission. The advances of mankind in the last hundred years, we get very proud of ourselves when we discover nuclear fission. It's been there for billions of years. And God in his powerfulness gives us the sun to give us life. Man, when we discover how to split the atom, could give tremendous energy, we make him a nuclear bomb. That's kind of where our hearts are. God, in all of this outstanding power, king of the universe, he sustains life on earth. Earth is 23.5 degrees at an angle to the sun. Perfect for life. 92.96 million miles away from the sun. I get proud when I walk too. Uh, It's the perfect angle and distance for life. A few more miles difference, and we wouldn't be able to live. And not only that, think of the Creator God. When it's at such a distance and such an angle, it gives us the seasons. And that we can see the beauty of the seasons. We can have life because of the seasons. This is who God is. We're going to look now a little bit at the micro level. So this is from, uh, the, if you're in the ancient Near East, you have a very kind of humanistic perspective. We now, through science, reality wins. We get an idea of just how big God is. But for them, a thunderstorm represented the bigness of God. So we're going to look at the voice of the Lord in the thunderstorm. And it's not, uh, it's not the entirety of God's voice. It was the entirety of Baal, but it's not the entirety of God, God's voice. It's almost like looking at a little bit of a toenail clipping of God versus his actual glory and majesty and power. But it's like, here's a little emblem. That's just a really bad analogy, sorry. So, so Kendra, dry wretch in the front row. It is like a speck of an atom for God. Wash your feet, Nick. Uh, the voice of the Lord in the thunderstorm. I'm going to read verses 3 to 9. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. He makes an Lebanon leak like a calf, Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord strikes with flashes of lightning. The voice of the Lord shakes the desert. The Lord shakes the desert of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists the oaks and strips the forests bare. And in his temple, all cry glory. So the picture here is from the perspective of watching a storm, a powerful storm coming across from the Mediterranean Sea, passing onto land into Lebanon, and then moving down south through Israel. As it goes towards Jerusalem, God's people in the temple say glory to God. 
Now, to the author, to, uh, sorry, to the original audience for this, what it is saying is, okay, yes, some people think Baal is powerful. You have no idea who God is. Like, it's actually God who does all this stuff. Like, who do you think creates thunderstorms? You can't contain the fullness of God in thunder. As much as I like Thor, he's not actually that powerful. You compare him to the king of the universe, he is absolutely nothing. And David is saying this. He's been chased by Saul. He's in difficult situations. But he knows the most true thing. The reality is God created all of this. And he speaks and it obeys. You know, he speaks creation in Genesis. Jesus on the boat with the disciples. They are panicking. They're fearing for their lives. And in the storm, he just says, be still. Suddenly, all of nature and creation is still. God, with his words, commands everything into being and everything into obedience. Now, there will come a time when he's going to renew creation. So we see it as it's harmoniously meant to be. But in this psalm, David is saying, you've got Baal. You have no idea who Yahweh is. And it's in him I'm going to put my trust. Think of, uh, if you go on a TV show, you see storm chasers. Uh, If I had any degree of bravery, that would be something I was tempted in. Also, if I didn't have a compact car. Uh, But you see them chasing after storms, and there's this incredible, like, exhilaration. You see a tornado coming, and see it tearing up a pathway, and it's extremely dangerous. But what about the God that made that? You wonder, with the storm chasers, what's their relationship with Yahweh like? Do they know who Jesus is? If they're addicted to power, there is one source of power. There is one being who creates the thunderstorms. So David's saying, you've got Baal. This is his entirety in a thunderstorm. It's just my God speaking a little. It's him whispering. He's the creator of everything. And he says, in his temple, all cry glory. So the temple was the presence of God. So you'd go into the temple and you'd experience the presence of God. Uh, Christ-centered preaching says, no, the temple is, is now us. If, if the Holy Spirit is living within us, that's where God's temple is. How marvelous is God? Not that he uh, is on earth, but he has chosen the king of the universe to be so personal to each one of us. He's more powerful than we can imagine. He's more personal than we can imagine. And that's what it says here. uh, David finishes out. It's the king of the universe. I'm going to read verses 10 and 11. It says, The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord is enthroned as king forever. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. When it says the Lord sits over the flood, what that means is the Noahic flood. In the flood uh, with uh, Noah, God was saying, I will protect my faithful people. 
Those who are not following my ways, I will wipe them out. Now, a thunderstorm is not discerning about where it shows its power. Elsewhere, you'll see in the Bible that God's goodness extends to everyone. We all need rain to live. We all need rain for food. And he gives it to everyone. And when a thunderstorm comes, it seems pretty impartial. If you're living in Florida and a hurricane comes through, it's not because God is specifically angry with you. But what the psalmist is saying here is in the midst of the power of the created order, remember that God knows who is faithful. And it's not the size of our faith that matters. It's the object. It's Jesus. It continues, the Lord is enthroned as king forever. One side thing about Baal, no one's worshiping him anymore. Like it's a little microcosm of a, a sick culture, like a, a belch, and he's gone. God is the king of the universe forever. That's how much reality wins. That's how much we, if we believe in Jesus Christ, are on the winning team. Nothing because of what we have done. Everything because of what Christ has done. And ask the band to come back up on stage as I close this out. You notice my messages are getting shorter. That is because the worship is getting more glorious. <laughs> and I didn't really want to put the handbrake on too much. It continues, the Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. The Lord gives strength to his people. Whatever we are going through in the storms of life, God is not surprised by them. He gives us just enough to get through it. Sometimes we might be victorious. Other times we're holding on for dear life. But he gives his people just enough to get through. It says here, the Lord blesses his people with peace. David was talking about his relationship with God. Here was a powerful king. He's also an adulterer. Here is a fugitive, and yet here is someone who's written most of the playbook of the Old Testament. As in musical playbooks, a playlist of the Old Testament. I've learned to do American football analogies when I teach, but definitely not on Mother's Day. Uh, the Lord blesses his people with peace. David knew if you have one king, one God, it makes your life so much simpler. He had no idea what God would really do to give his people peace. Like from his generation, God would come and give us eternal peace with the Father. That Hebrew word is shalom. It means harmony, this perfect harmony. And we have a taste when we put our faith and trust in Jesus. We have the spiritual peace, which means we're no longer under penalty of our sins. We have a peace where we're no longer under the power of our sins. What that means is we'll actually desire to live like God wants us to. Before I came to faith, I did not desire that. That's the last thing I wanted. But when you disobey God's commands, it's a lot like just putting your hand in the fire. It burns. And I did that an awful lot before I came to faith. So finding out salvation in Jesus, finding out forgiveness in Jesus, finding out that there would be guidance in Jesus was such a relief. I had an alternative to putting my hands in the fire. And we are offered that too. 
And finally, in the fullness of time, we'll be peace, at peace with the presence of sin is gone. We'll be with the king of the universe forever. No more pain, no more crying, no more sin, no more death. All the former things have gone. And we are being recreated and risen up into a new creation, a new heaven and a new earth. And God is with his people who will be walking among us. You know, you go near Thanos, it's not going to work out well. Thor's pretty good. Nick, block your ears. He also looks like that. <laughs> I wish I had something up there. That's my genuine gut. Uh, all of those things, they're not that great. When reality wins and we see God, we're not going to have to whip people up to worship. It's just going to be the most natural response possible. His glory is among us, rising up in and through us. Today, this is holy ground. We're encountering God. We're worshiping God. It's a good foundation for the week ahead. Any idea how good heaven is going to be? Any idea how good? Think of your loved ones. Think of people you dearly care about. And the message is, isn't it wonderful to be with God? The message is, wouldn't you want to share it with them as well? So my challenge to us is we enjoy the peace of God, the power of God. Know that he can turn a heart of stone to a heart of flesh. Please, as we're worshiping, be praying in your head as well for someone that you love to come to know that God is worthy of all praise. The most honest thing they can do is worship him. Will you stand as we continue to sing?